When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lund alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. as New York sports radio fans know him, the great Al from White Plains, and this is New Report, Old Report. Here on Tuesday, September 17th, or May to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you missed the live show, you can catch the replay all week, also at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or find the show's bonus content by searching for The Bridge Sports Podcast, which you can find by searching for The Bridge Sports Podcast and Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, as well as by visiting londonbridge.com. If you want to interact with the show, you can text in a question, comment, or complaint to 929-274-3437, or if you're brave enough, leave a voicemail with the same, and we'll get back to you with what you have to say on air, again by calling 929-274-3437. This week... NFL Week 2, including major quarterback injuries, stupid penalties, and all the pomp and circumstance that goes along with the National Football League. Check your sources. We're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that was a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. And with the National Football League back, I feel as though we'll be saying that to start each show for the foreseeable future until we get to 2020. Shout out to our show, by the way, the new report, old report, episode 50, Al. 50 of these ramblings that people may or may not have been subjecting themselves to. The half a century mark, indeed, my young friend. That's right. So celebrate with us all, those of you that, for whatever reason, have kept on with us as we make this journey or are just climbing aboard. We hope you'll stick with us for the next 50. I'm sure we'll have some incredible thing planned for episode 100. Now that I've put that out there, I guess we have to deliver. A sad note, in a sense, for the National Football League, even though it's only week two. Some teams may now, unfortunately, be looking like their seasons are done or in extreme jeopardy. Two of the main cases being one Drew Brees from the New Orleans Saints and one Ben, Big Ben Roethlisberger from the Pittsburgh Steelers, who unfortunately took the worst of the injury that took him out of the game Sunday. We now know he needs elbow surgery, and we now know he'll be out for the rest of the season. They have a backup coming in that they're highly thinking of, but when you lose a quarterback of that nature, someone that's been on your team seemingly forever, for some people's entire lifetimes, he's been the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers, someone that's won you a couple Super Bowls, and while he is on the downswing of his career, he is coming off a pretty successful season from last year. So very unfortunate for them, and we can start there with now what the hell do the Pittsburgh Steelers do, especially with a team in the Baltimore Ravens, your Baltimore Ravens, that are putting the pressure seemingly on that entire division off to an incredible start that they're on. If you're a Steelers fan, it's unfortunately hard to think that there's any hope, although there might be. We don't know. Let the Mason Rudolph era begin. Uh, I mean, he is the kid out of Oklahoma State that they drafted. 
Uh, Roethlisberger upset when they drafted him to begin with as they started to try and plan for the future. Big Ben saying, what do you need to do that for? This is what you need to do it for, Big Ben, because you were part of the class of 2004. That's 15 years ago. You're not getting any younger. And this was a non-contact injury. This was an injury where he said he felt something. Uh, he didn't get hit. Came off. He was done for the day. Uh, they went to Rudolph. They lost at home in their home opener to Seattle. Russell Wilson getting his team up pretty much in charge, two scores, and then holding off the Steelers. They dropped 0-2 in huge trouble in the division. Remember, they were my pick to be a hot mess. They were my pick for the underachieving team. I didn't think Ben Roethlisberger was going to be out for the season, commencing with some portion of game two. I just didn't like the makeup of the Steelers. I don't like their defense. I didn't like their defense. I didn't think there was any way in the world that the top draft pick, uh, the linebacker, uh, was going to change their entire defense because they can't cover people. Their secondary is abysmal. It's been awful for years. Mike Tomlin was a the secondary uh, defensive secondary coach at Minnesota, and you would think he would have done something uh, with the front office, be a draft, free agency, something to cure the ales in that secondary, and they get just week after week after week, they get absolutely ripped to shreds. Week one, obviously, uh, New England just tore them limb from limb. And yesterday, Russell Wilson did the same. And they just are unable to defend really anywhere uh, beyond those linebackers. That was a big problem for him last year in terms of the drops of the linebackers and the coverage in the secondary with a man-to-man or zone principles, and they picked up right up right up with it where they left off last year. Uh, not getting the pass rush you're used to seeing, and I, I just think it's a defense that has uh, got a lot of holes. Their offense clearly doesn't have the weapons that they used to have, so as a result, on both sides of the ball, I think they have serious issues. They are 0-2. I thought they were a 7-8 or eight win team. Now they may be a five or six win team at best, depending upon how well uh, young Mason Rudolph plays, uh, you know, obviously in relief for, uh, for Big Ben Roethlisberger. And, you know, the patience is not going to be long with Mike Tomlin. There are already people calling for his head after last year when the team didn't make the playoffs. So now you start to wonder uh, what's the situation going to be if they put up uh, – in the midst of a five or six win season, does he make it through the season? You know, if you look up and the Steelers are two and seven, two and eight, three and nine, does Mike Tomlin not get the rest of the season? Very, very curious uh, how quickly the wheels have fallen off and they're in panic mood. And yes, my Ravens are off to a great start at two and out. They go to Kansas City next week, which will obviously be a load, uh, in which they'll be the underdog, I'm sure. But the rest of that division, Cincinnati, after a morbid performance 0-2, the Browns beating up on the hapless Jets to get to 1-1. And other teams have jumped up to 2-0 stuff, like the Bills. So uh, things do not bode well for the Steelers now and the rest of the season. And this could be the beginning of the end for the class of 2004. Uh, Not so young Mr. Manning. Could be headed for the bench as they lose to the Bills yesterday, 28-14. Lackluster performance by him and the offense other than their great running back. And yes, Phillip Rivers still going strong, but they go into Detroit, they lose uh, a game that they, by all accounts, should have won. 
So uh, starting to kind of cut open the class of 2004 and count the rings as they're getting very long in the tooth. And that leads also not class of 2004, but another elder statesman who got hurt very badly yesterday, not so much physically from his health, but from his ability to be a starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. And that, of course, is Drew Brees. Terrible day for injuries, especially in game. A huge game for the Saints going up against the Rams. They obviously want to get revenge from last year and, of course, have a call go against them in, in another instance of if you're a Saints fan, you think the entire NFL officiating crew is coming after you. And the same for the Steelers. It wasn't a must-win game, but that's a big game against the Seahawks, a game that wasn't out of hand until Big Ben goes down. And as you mentioned, it's perhaps the start of the fall of the 2004-era quarterbacks that we so have loved in this league and have been around seemingly forever and it could be a new era and probably will be the start of a new era for the Pittsburgh Steelers because Big Ben has released a statement to everyone he he says how shocked and heartbreaking he is but quote I can only trust in God's plan but I am completely determined to battle through this challenge and come back stronger than ever next season The Steelers committed three years to me this offseason, and I fully intend to honor my contract and reward them with championship-level play. I will do all that I can to support Mason and the team this season to help win games. I love this game, my teammates, the Steelers organization, and fans, and I feel in my heart I have a lot left to give. Now, we've had the Big Ben is done conversation before because he's alluded to it. He's played in games and spoke after games and said as much that, He's not enjoying playing anymore. He doesn't have the love for the game that he once did, and it could be the end. So that was a couple of seasons worth of that, and now with an elbow injury, the rehab process at his age of 37, we don't know how that's going to go, how long it's going to take, and what the Steelers will look like when he's able to come back. So I don't know if this season may affect that, as in if they're bad enough, hey, maybe you're able to go after another quarterback come the NFL draft and and look ahead to that future, and you might not need him anymore. It's going to be up to them whether they think they need to move on from Big Ben, whether they think they need to move on from Mike Tomlin, whether they think they need to bring in different pieces around that offense and have enough confidence in Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner to be that future and to be their Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell Part 2. But if you're a Steelers fan, you wake up today and kind of look around and there's not a lot of positives to go on. Now, again, they do love Mason Rudolph. A lot of people loved him in Oklahoma State. It bears seeing what's going to happen from him as the season progresses, and it'll obviously take a little time and some games under his belt to really see what he's capable of. But week two, you don't expect to have to deal with something like this, and it's unfortunate. The only positive could be they have enough games where maybe it's something they can work around. But as you mentioned, I don't see them getting into the postseason now. I, I think, if, if anything, they might be able to knock on the door. But unfortunately for them, it was kind of an uphill battle to start, and, and I don't think they're going to be able to climb over it. I don't see them knocking on the door. And as I said, I, I think Mason Rudolph will probably play pretty well. I think he has a chance to be a pretty good NFL quarterback. I, I didn't love in Oklahoma State. Uh, obviously, the system... You know, in the Big 12 was throw it all over the place as it is for every other quarterback and I watched him a lot I watched him you know, miss a lot of I thought big throws in big games some of which were to his number one guy who's going to be his number two guy uh, with the Steelers and James Washington but 
as you alluded to, at least there's time here. He's not being thrown into, uh, you know, the cauldron eight, nine games in where you got to go and win every game to have a shot at the playoffs. I mean, you can hang around if you start to pick it up and, you know, somehow it can be, you know, four and five, you know, five and five, uh, you know, which means you got to start winning some football games because you're already on two, but there are wins out there. Uh, you know, you've got one incredibly weak team in the division. Uh, you're playing the NFC West, which gives you at least one other weak team in the Cardinals. Uh, so th- if they can somehow pull it back together, but again, my concern is their defense. The offense could always score points. Uh, to me, they're, they're you know, the days of the steel curtain, anything remotely resembling anything like that, are long, long, long gone. And then we moved to New Orleans and a preseason, certainly by our accounts and all accounts, Super Bowl favorite is to me in dire straits. They're one and one. They barely won their opener on a miracle finish. They got smoked yesterday by the Rams. Their starting quarterback, who is the heart and soul of the franchise goes down with it looks like ligament damage in that right thumb and they have to go to Teddy Bridgewater who is at best at best mediocre and that is really pushing it and I just don't see them you know forget about a championship caliber team I don't know if I see them as even a fringe playoff team with Teddy Bridgewater, a quarterback. Never been a huge fan of his. Liked him in college. Solid. But to, to me, he's nothing more than a, a solid backup. Now, they do have the benefit of being in what we thought was probably in a pretty good division and maybe an awful division. The Falcons pulled one out of the fire last night uh, against the Eagles on the Sunday night game to get to one and one. We know that Tampa is awful. And because of the health issues of their quarterback and, you know, question marks with just how effective is Cam Newton right now? What's he got left? Um, you know, Carolina doesn't look like the way we'd expect they would have looked if it was the Cam Newton we've come to know and watch as really one of the true forces of nature in the NFL, maybe the most physically imposing quarterback overall in terms of his size, his strength, his speed, and his ability, maybe ever to play the position. You know, people forget now that you know this guy's six foot five and, and 240, 250 pounds, but it just goes to show you the wear and tear of that position when you simply don't just stand back in the pocket. And when you leave the pocket, You open yourself up to debilitating injuries. You are a big target. Cam Newton was never one to slide. Russell Wilson always seems, as I have said countless times, Russell Wilson also always seems to be able to find a place to stop, drop, and roll. He is uncanny at how he does that. He never seems to get hit hard or cleanly. And we know that Cam Newton has taken so many of those shots. And they have taken their toll on on his incredible body. And we are seeing him. He's clearly not the quarterback he was a few years ago. The unfortunate thing for Cam is the Panthers, and this isn't necessarily wrong, but they used him as a running quarterback. And they used him as what a running back would do. 
Well, now where he is at age-wise and career-wise and hits-wise, he's where running backs start to unfortunately decline. And it doesn't help, obviously, that he had shoulder problems as well when you're trying to throw a football. But the lower half, ankles, feet, knees, those stuff starts going and you can't throw on top of it. You have to kind of learn how to throw in pain. And then when your arm is hurting, too, I figured this was going to be a rough start for Cam coming back from surgery and supposedly coming back too soon. But we don't know if he's just going to be able to flip a switch and go back to 2015 Cam Newton. So that's unfortunate for the Panthers. I I don't see many switches being flipped. And they have got a lot of issues on their offensive line, their ability to protect the quarterback. And remember, you, you talked about this is where the running backs start to break down. Well, remember, Cam Newton's got the ball on every play. The running back still doesn't have the ball on every play. The ball is in Cam Newton's hands on every play. So every play he's subject to being hit, whether he's handing it off, whether he's rolling out, whether he's dropping back, and whether he might be scrambling or running by design. And he has taken an absolute beating. He is a man's man in every way, shape, or form and has played hard and admirably and put every ounce he's got out on that field. But it has certainly uh, clearly begun to wear, you know, take its toll on his physical abilities uh, from head to toe, literally, literally from head to toe. And they are not nearly as, as good a, base, a football team, you know, when, when Cam Newton is not completely 100% the Cam Newton we know that was uh, the best player in this league when they went to the Super Bowl. And it and I, I and those kind of things I don't think come back. It, it lost them the second game. It lost them the the second game. I mean, you have fourth and one or anything with one near the end zone. Years ago, you wouldn't even have to watch the play. You know, Cam Newton would get it. He would rumble through and score or get you the first down and pick up whatever short yardage it was. It's, now they're it was tossing six the ball it was out six to, inches. Right, six inches. They're throwing it how five that, yards back to Christian McCaffrey. Thinking we won. Yeah. You're, That's always a Cam Newton quarterback sneak in week one. And it should be. Oh, he's, got to, he's got to fall forward. And you, you pitch the ball five, six yards back by the line of scrimmage. Didn't understand the call. Never will understand the call, especially when you got that guy. You know, again, you're not, I'm not, I'm not I'm trying to get five yards. Then I ask him to roll out, scramble, or put his head down. Just quarterback sneak. And, and that was, a, I thought, an incredibly strange coaching decision in or offensive coordinator decision, whatever the case may be in week one. And I think cost them the game. So they are a team that is got loaded with question marks. We know Tampa is, I mean, they won their, they won in Carolina, uh, which was a shocker, but you know, how many games do you really expect them to win? Uh, we, you know, James Winston is not, not nearly uh, what we thought he was going to be. He started well as a rookie. He has fallen on very hard times. He's continually throwing the ball to the wrong team. And he is due $30 million if he's with this team at the end of the year, I believe. So I can't believe, barring a big turnaround, that he's going to be with this team at the end of the year. And uh, that division is not nearly what we expected it to be. And so back to our original discussion on New Orleans, they've got a little room. They've got a little bit, regardless of who's playing quarterback, because they have plenty of weapons. 
and they have the great coach they just gave an extension to the offensive guru. Uh, they have uh, you know, a timetable here where if Drew Brees can get back, then you know there's the possibility that they can still be a, a you know, wild card team uh, or maybe steal a division title. But you know, they're going to need him back you know, by week eight or nine, not week 12 or 13. And who knows? I mean, you know, ligament damage in the right thumb. Uh, is surgery a requirement? We're not sure yet, unless you've heard something I don't know. And that, that is, that, that's, that's where you grip the football in trouble. So, and it's not the pinky, it's the thumb, which to me is a much more integral part of the throwing portion you know, for the right-handed quarterback. So, uh, you know, for those who don't know it, he hit his hand on Aaron Donald uh, when he was rushing the passer. We've seen these type of injuries before when, you know, the quarterbacks follow through, you know, hits the defensive lineman, and it's unfortunate uh, for the player and, and for the team. I mean, it couldn't happen to a team that I, I dislike more. Uh, because, you know, I, I will always say what goes around comes around. As you know, we've discussed before on New Report, Old Report, that I believe any bad call New Orleans gets is a makeup uh, and a, uh, a what, what, what goes around comes around result of them winning the Super Bowl, a Super Bowl they never should have gone to, that they stole a game from the Minnesota Vikings and Brett Favre when countless roughing the passer penalties weren't called when a phantom interference penalty gave them a game-winning overtime field goal. And uh, I think as a result of that, it's basically, you know, you got to pay. You, you went to a Super Bowl and won it uh, by the grace of the officials. And you are now going to pay for that on the other end forever. And that's what seems to be happening and happened again yesterday uh, on a call that did not go their way to cost them a touchdown. And then the Rams beat them up after that. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. The unfortunate thing for the Saints that could also be a positive is, as you mentioned, I don't know if they're going to get a wild card, but I think they have an okay shot at surviving and winning the division. Similar to the Seahawks that one year where they really didn't have any, shouldn't be in the postseason, but they were because they won their division. Seven and nine. Let's go. <laughs> Drew Brees reportedly has the timetable of six weeks for this injury. I don't know whether that will either be one more, one less, but six weeks is the hopeful timetable. So they've got and when this, is there when is there a buy? It is not in six weeks, I don't think, if I can do the math right. Maybe I, I can figure out the math. We'll do that now. So they got the Seahawks and Cowboys next, first on the road and then at home. I don't think they're winning either of those two games with Teddy Bridgewater. Then you host the Bucks, maybe. Then you Put go to Jacksonville, three. maybe. Three and three. The Bears maybe. on the road, I don't think so. Three and four. And then the Saints face the Cardinals. They host the Cardinals that week, which would be six games total. So I they, don't, they, they literally could be four and four with Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. So then maybe you that come schedule's back. Pretty, that schedule's pretty damn easy. Then it's the bye week. 
Then they host the Falcons on November 10th. So they go from October 27th, they have the gap until November 10th. Maybe you come back for that game where you host the Falcons. If not, you go to the Bucks on November 17th. So I think they're not in an awful state. Maybe you're coming back with a 500 record or you have one more loss. But it's certainly way, not out of the realm of possibility. If he comes back at four and five, you're right there. You're, you're right there. Unless Atlanta goes on some run, which we don't expect them to do. Although every once in a while they surprise you and have this string of, of uh, games where they just put up a ton of points and once in a while they can stop somebody and Matt Ryan goes on his Matty Ice tour. Uh, you know, because I think he's one of the most overrated players in the league, but that's just my personal opinion. But we talked about that before. And considering the state of the division, if you can you know, manage four and five with Teddy Bridgewater, unless the Falcons run away, yes, you, you, can, you can be right there in that division hunt when Drew Brees is back and hopefully healthy. So you know, all is not lost for them. I believe all is lost for the Steelers. And I think we both agree, regardless of the health of one Eli Manning, uh, all may be lost for the New York football giants. Seems like the best team in New York is the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> That's what they're calling themselves. That's what they're calling themselves. And folks, we, uh, we go to air with this program on Monday night. Uh, so just so you know, when my young friend, uh, the new report portion of this program, the new report over report makes that statement. He makes it, uh, with the full knowledge that the New York football jets, uh, New York's other quasi football team is trailing the Cleveland Browns 23 to three as the clock winds down in the third quarter, uh, which would put the jets not only at Owen two, but Owen two with both of those losses in their own building and their quarterback, Unfortunately, uh, Sam Darnold out, I guess, indefinitely. Have you heard a further timetable? Uh, because he was diagnosed with uh, I, I, the severity of, of mononucleosis in the case of it. You know, I, I don't know enough about it in terms of severe versus mild. Are there severe versus mild? I know it can be debilitating for an incredibly long time. I've heard horror stories where some people don't recover fully for, you know, sometimes years in terms of bringing back their entire strength, et cetera. We certainly hope it's not the case, but have you seen an updated uh, status report on your know, timetable for Sam Darnold's return to the Jets or is everything still up in the air? I haven't seen a timetable, but they seem to be on the more positive side of recovery as in he, he isn't losing a lot of weight. He's gaining back his strength. They're wording it in a positive way, though we've heard and have seen mono people usually say at least a month, at least more so four to six weeks. I don't know right. if and, that will and, happen or if their record will warrant when they bring him back. I mean, if they're Owen four say now on their third well, string if, quarterback, if, they if, might just say, take as much time as you need. If you look at their schedule, they have a schedule that is simply unfair. The schedule that the jets were hit with for the first half of the season is lunacy. And I can never quite understand 
when the schedule makers put these things together. I understand you have to play this team, you have to play that team, but you you can't figure out a better way to put a schedule together where a team can literally come out of the box playing six of the best teams in the NFL, be 0-6 or 0-7, and their season be over. Because if you look at the Jets' schedule, I mean, other than the Bills game, which they started with, I mean, look, people thought the Browns were going to be real good. Uh, they got to upset their first game. They're, they're up 23 to three in this game. And we pull up the Jets schedule so that the folks can hear exactly what's up for the Jets after they lose this game uh, to the Browns. What do they have next without their starting quarterback? Yeah, you would think that with Sam Darnold, they would have had a puncher's chance against the Browns based off what we saw in week one. Without him, obviously, it's been a bloodbath. The bloodbath will continue as they go to New England for week three. Thankfully, there's a bye in week four, at least as far as this healing process goes. Sam Darnold said aloud he hopes to be back by week five, which is incredibly optimistic to think. But if he were to come back, they're at Philadelphia. Then they host Dallas, and then they host the Patriots. Things don't cool off until they go to Jacksonville. And even that's not easy to go to Jacksonville October 27th. And then, God willing, week nine, they go to Miami. So until at least week eight, you you can't even breathe a sigh of relief. You can't find a win. Awful. It's ridiculous. I mean, how do you get New England twice in the first a week apart? With Dallas, I mean, come on. Did did people think that New England wasn't going to be a good team this year? Did people think Dallas wasn't going to be a good team this year? You know, this defending world champ, perennial division champ, and and a really good playoff team. I mean, these can't be spread out a little bit. This team is done. Their season is over. They're 0-2. They don't have their quarterback. They still have to play New England twice and Dallas in, what, the next month? Yeah. They're done. Yeah. The New York Jets football season is literally over in terms of their ability to have any chance of making the postseason. Any chance. Whether they win 10 in a row, just sit 0-6 and go 10, go 10 and 0, I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe no. you're playing the Dolphins 10 times. <laughs> Last time I checked, you only get to play them twice. Unfortunately for them. And not to say, again, that they were going to make this miraculous run, but you can't when you have a schedule like this. Again, just having a puncher's chance in these types of games, seeing what Sam Darnold is capable of, you never know what happens when a team you don't expect to get hot does for a couple weeks and there's not even a shot of that happening until after say week 10 and by then it's going to be too late so again they might look at his injury and just say at that point after week four hey man take as long as you want you're our franchise guy we don't want to risk any further injury you getting hit in the midsection and something going astray take it easy but easy for us to say they're having to look at their third string quarterback on Monday night football and get thrown around by the Cleveland Browns. So all is not well with the New York Jets. All is not well with the New York Giants. Props to our friend for the Buffalo Bills saying that, uh, yeah, we're the team in New York, man. It's us. (laughs) After they asked him, you know, you could have been in New York uh, playing for one. He's like, what are you talking about? I, I already am in New York. We play I am in New York, and I beat the New York two New York teams on the road. We're the New York team. What are you talking about, man? Props to Josh Allen for that. He, you know, 
Told everybody he was going to be a little cocky. 2-0. Anybody that has surprised you to this point, whether good or bad, I'm getting very close already, and I do this, and money usually has something to do with it, but you know, I start throwing teams out early, Al. Lose faith in them already, and it's only week two. I don't know if I'm ready to throw the gauntlet down yet on some teams, but anyone that has surprised you to this point, good or bad? A good surprise, the Green, the Green Bay Packers. Good surprise, the Green Bay Packers. That defense. Yes, they, they did get scalded by one of my favorite players um, in the National Football League. You know I love the Vikings running back, the kid from Florida State, Delvin, uh, Delvin Cook. Uh, I thought he was going to be the rookie of the year, and then you know, I hurt his knee. He has just been lights out the first two weeks of the season. Uh, he did it against them yesterday, but they completely shut down the pitiful, woeful, and I mean abysmal, overrated, overpaid Minnesota quarterback who should remain nameless. He's been so bad the first two weeks of the season. The first week of the season, it was all Cook. He only had to throw the ball 10 times. Yesterday, Cook had a good game, but they still need to throw the ball some. And... I'm not even going to mention his name because it doesn't have to be mentioned. The Minnesota passing game was so bad yesterday, and this guy was so awful, and yet the game is still on the line. And he throws a ball up for grabs into the back corner of the end zone when they're down 21 to 16. And I'm just watching, like, what are you doing? What in how could you possibly think that that ball, regardless of your confidence you have in your abilities, what made you think that that throw was going to get in there? You, you loft it up where there's two guys there who've got a better angle on the ball than your guy. To the back corner of the end, there was no chance for that ball to be completed. And that was that football game. You know, that game was still in the hat. Somehow, some way, you would come back from way down and you had a chance. And you make that throw. So I'll give Kirk Cousins a mention because I want to say how much I think he sucks. <laughs> That's the only reason I'm mentioning his name. Kirk Cousins sucks. And yesterday uh, was the perfect example of why I think Kirk Cousins sucks. Yeah, uh, almost impossible to defend it, <laughs> to be honest with you. It was hard to watch. And the Vikings defense did what they could to shut down the Packers offense, which got out to an incredibly hot start. Here we go. Here's Aaron Rodgers. Here's the quarterback we know and love. 21 points in the second quarter before you blink, and then they do nothing the rest of the game. Similar to the Chiefs who decided to just score their 28 points in the second quarter and put the game Which is all they need. That's all they need. That was, I don't want to say interesting, but I guess a little bit expected Aaron Rodgers with this new coach and this new offense. And fortunately for him, they can work out whatever growing pains they'll have because the defense is a lot better than it's been in years past, which goes to show with the first two games, though, as you mentioned, Kirk Cousins isn't exactly someone that you can put that right, defense but up they, against. But they do have weapons. They do. They've got Cook. They've got an excellent crew of receivers. So you know, we have, have how many years have we been quick, and rightfully so, to malign the Green Bay defense? for never carrying their weight, for putting too much pressure on the Green Bay offense 
and Rodgers and having to score uh, constantly and never being able to stop a team in a big spot. Well, now, now they've had really, you know, two, one incredibly impressive defensive performance and a pretty darn good job yesterday. So let's, for a change, give them some credit because this is what he hasn't had for a long time. He hasn't had a defense that could go out there and stop teams. And, you know, we've made it through the second week of the season and they haven't lost half their defense, which is also what's happened in years gone by, where, you know, four or five of their best players are on IR by week three of the season. So, so far, so good for the incredibly gifted quarterback and his new coach you know, and the controversy over whether or not they're going to get along and how the offense is going to be run. Are they going to be able to see eye to eye because of the issues supposedly he had with McCarthy, which they both deny. Who knows the truth? It probably lays halfway in between, as is usually the case. But the bottom line is so far, so good. 2-0 atop the division in Green Bay. Disappointing team. Although they are one and one as a result of a miracle finish yesterday. I have to bring this up, folks. Not because my co-host, John Tanyuan, is a huge Bronco fan, but because that's where it happened. The, Bron- the Broncos lost just an incredibly gut-wrenching, heartbreaking game yesterday. But they, the Bears are one and one. They haven't played a good game yet. They haven't played a good game yet. And Mitchell Trubisky, it's very early, got a lot of talent, but so far, not a lot to report on the progress of one Mitchell Trubisky in the first two weeks of the season. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. There is a positive for the Bears. They appear to have found a field goal kicker, so that's something the, the franchise it's, hasn't it, had it, a long it time. It is one kick in Denver. Let's remember that. That is true. Where the ball travers five to seven yards further. And they got a gift. I mean, they got a roughing the passer call yesterday against the Broncos, which just nothing about it was roughing the passer. He simply hit the quarterback. It was, was it Chubb, I believe? The second right. year, was, was it Chubb who hit him? Yeah, Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb comes in from you know, the quarterback's left side. He's off his his throwing shoulder and simply hits him with it as he's throwing the ball with shoulder on shoulder, clean, just just goes through him, doesn't fall on him, doesn't drive him in, just simply hits him hard as he's throwing the ball and gets called for roughing the passer, which was a ludicrous call, absolutely ludicrous, that gave them 15 yards and put them closer to possibly getting a field goal. It didn't get them in field goal range because later they still completed the fourth down play. But if not for that 15-yard penalty, they may never get the chance to do that. And it was, and then, of course, after they make the completion to Robinson, uh, they put a second back on the clock. When you watch the replay, you could probably make the argument that they were correct, that he was touched down uh, with a second to go. But regardless, an absolute miracle for the Bears and to me, a team that has played, I think, two incredibly poor games, incredibly poor, and should, by all accounts, be 0-2 and, and, you know, facing a two-game deficit against the Packers. But they stole one yesterday. 
So they are obviously right in the division hunt at one and one, but that was a game that they had no business winning whatsoever. I agree. And not just because they got the win against the team that I root for at this point in week two, not writing teams off completely, but starting to form the storyline of, I'm not going to have faith in you moving forward. And the Chicago bears are one of those teams. They haven't done anything aside from their defense that has given me anything to say we know, they're going to be know, great. We know, we know about their defense. Right. We thought this was going to be, and again, it's two weeks in. So you know, over, over exaggeration Monday, of course. But we've basically seen two miserable performances from their offense and their young quarterback. From a bear perspective, will it get better? Answer, it has to. Because if it doesn't, you're a 500 football team. So it has to get better. Do I think it will? Logically, yes. Logically, yes. But I was never a Mitchell Drabinsky, a big Mitchell Drabinsky fan. I didn't think that they had, they had to go up in the draft to get him. Uh, I wouldn't have drafted him where they drafted him. I think he has talent to be a um, middle-of-the-road NFL quarterback. I think he has the, the physical tools to be a top 10 quarterback. I don't know if he has the ac- the acumen to be anything more than a middle of the road NFL quarterback. And obviously the jury is long uh, out, you know, for the, for the long on him is a long, long ways to go here, but you would like to have seen more development from last year to the first two games this year than you've seen so far. Yeah. It turns out the bears just might've been better off taking somebody that they could have taken in Patrick Mahomes in that draft. I mean, who's to say, <laughs> Who's to say? Four, but it's folks, looking that four, way. four touchdowns in the second quarter, folks. To uh, you know, the, the little guy is out with a collarbone. Right? So what do we have? We have his clone. The uh, late first round was he late first round or late first round pick out of Georgia, right? uh, who catches a long touchdown pass. We have. Basically, you know, their, their fourth or fifth weapon catch two long touchdown passes. So, so they literally, I mean, you know, remember the days of, of the, the Cowboys, you know, who had the, the holsters with the two guns. I mean, they, they, he's got like guns everywhere you look. He's got weapons as far as the eye could see. And with his throwing ability and his talent and athleticism, I mean, he put up ungodly numbers in one quarter yesterday. He threw four touchdown passes in one quarter. Ball barely hit the ground. And they go from uh, down 10 nothing to 28-10 game set match. And that much of a line defense uh, doesn't give up any points uh, after the first quarter. And, you know, Derek Carr looks the way Derek Carr has looked for the last couple of years. Mediocre, and that's giving him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, it was the same old Raiders game. And we saw a couple same old team games throughout week two after week one gave us some, well, who knows? Maybe this will be the year, et cetera, et cetera. Well, for some teams, like, say, the Chargers, scoring 10 points all in the first half against the Lions, couldn't kick a field goal again to save their life, chances at the end, putting the ball in Phillip Rivers' hands, turnovers, the whole nine, the typical now Los Angeles Chargers who even out at one and one and the lions are going to be, eh, they'll get a couple wins from you. Injury injuries, holdouts, 
Yeah. You know, everything that could go wrong for the Chargers is it usually does. You know, losing their best young defensive player, uh, Derwin James in the secondary. I, I mean, is I don't know. I didn't watch anything. Is Bosa playing or is he hurt again? I mean, the Bosa brothers who basically never played the second half of the season at Ohio State and then you know, are drafted at the top of the charts. And, and how do they ever play in the props? They're always hurt. They're wonderful talents. They're wonderful players, but they're always hurt. And the Chargers just have, if it weren't for bad luck, they wouldn't have any at all. Between the injuries, between the just total and complete inability to bring in a legitimate field goal kicker year after year after year, or have their kicker get hurt and wind up with their punter kicking field goals, it just never seems to go their way. Ever, ever, ever when it comes to this luck. They just are, on top of the fact that they're playing before seven people in their own building. So they go to Detroit, and lo and behold, the Detroit Lions are on the field one one <laughs> So playoff hopes abound for Matthew Stafford and company. Again, and the same thing happens in Houston. They battle their hearts out with the Saints. Almost win one, just come up short. They host the Jaguars with a quarterback just getting his feet with in the NFL and Gardner Minshew, and you think, they're at home, they'll be fine, and they squeeze out a 13-12 win. And by squeeze, it comes down to a two-point conversion that the Jaguars decided to go for to try and win the game and come and up literally inches short. And give the ball to Leonard Fournette, who, who barely averages enough per carry to score from when the ball is spotted on a two-point conversion. What are you thinking? Someone tell me, what are you thinking with that play call? Your leading rusher on the day is your quarterback who's been scrambling around like a young France Arkansas, who basically, he had a big turnover late that hurt them, but he brought him back and he's run all over the field like, a, you know, making mad dashes and you know, warming up in the locker room, doing his stretching and nothing but a jock strap. That one hit the, you know, hit, 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 the, hit the papers and whatever columns you're reading and all over the place. But he's he had a terrific game last week and you know, he showed that he has no fear. And that's the way you got to play this game in this position. And he almost pulled the rabbit out of the hat. And that's the call they come up with. Put the ball in the hands of the guy who got you there. Let the rookie do something with the football. Roll him out. Drop him back. Quarterback draw. Something. Slant. Uh, pass run option. You give it up the middle to Leonard Fournette. The last time he ran the ball more than 10 yards was two years ago. You know, in the playoffs against the Steelers, that's the play call with the game on the line. Don't get it. I'm lost. And, and, and I also have to say, never, ever, I assume it's the analytics. I don't know. But never, ever, ever did I think I would see NFL coaches do what they are regularly doing now, which they did on more than one occasion yesterday, and which your team did and, and, and got away with it because they got the, the, the successful two-point conversion and what could have been the Duke, if not for the, hate to rub it in again, uh, the miracle finish for the Bears. But teams are, are regularly going for the lead versus the tying extra point to send games into overtime. It does bring excitement to the end of football games. And in, no doubt about it. I, don't, I can't no say I hate it. it. I mean, if you have the confidence in your team to do it, I love the risk. I love... That element of the game, under a minute left, let's go for the win. 
because an extra say, point isn't a given anymore. They're completely right, right but, for thinking and you, and you also can't say home road because Denver, right, they, they did it at home. Right. right. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jacksonville did it on the road. That's right. Yep. Yep. It's, so no it's rhyme whenever. or reason there. But as you said, depending on who your kicker is, these things aren't gimmies anymore. And while we're on that point, is it time for us, you know, at a event, you don't have to kick to your sixth. Right? It's time. Give somebody else a chance. You're not that great a kicker anymore, even if you were making the extra points. How long are you going to do this? It's time. You're going to be a Hall of Famer. Don't tarnish your image. Don't tarnish your reputation. Don't further tarnish your legacy. You know, you want to go one more meet, one more week and, and make all your extra points. Do that and then hang it up and go out on a positive. Let them bring a kicker in, have some tryouts, bring in a legitimate, because right now you literally can't hit the broad side of a button. Two more missed extra points yesterday off a horrendous week one. It's time. It's, even it's for kickers, bad. even for kickers, father time wins. It's been bad. It's been, I mean, insert whatever old baseball player playing his whole career in one city and then trying to get a couple more years with those random teams that you never remember you were with. Insert some for the old report, insert some for it's, the new report. It's They're Willie all Mays. There you go. It's Willie Mays, old report people. All right, stay with me. You know the deal. Falling down in the outfield against the A's in, in the 1973 World Series where it was, you wanted to cry. Remember, he was over 40 years old. Willie Mays first season was 1951. This is 22 years later. He's in his 40s, still playing center field. He's a, he's a relic. He's stumbling and fumbling around in center field like a drunken sailor. Can't stand up. Adam Vinatieri. Hang him up. Hang him up. Knock a couple more extra points for the uprights next week, hopefully. And hang them up, say sayonara. Put the shoes in the middle of the field and just walk off. Move on. Tie them up, throw them over the goalpost. Like they used to do in the old city when you'd hang up your streetball career. It's all right, Adam. Nothing left to prove. Well, as the show wraps up, we get to grace you all with this week's version of the six-pack where we take a little shot at six games, put them together, and what do you get? Fade accordingly, Losers. folks. <laughs> That's what you get. Fade you get accordingly. Us consistently below 500 for yours truly. I open uh, up with uh, three favorites, and I'm looking really good early with the, uh, the Cowboys rolling, with the Ravens rolling, with the Chargers basically just having a win, and Dallas comes through for me uh, with an overall excellent performance. Uh, Dak Prescott, after a slow start, off the charts. Again, ball barely. It's ground. Uh, a real solid performance uh, for their newly, freshly minted, highest-paid running back in the National Football League. Um, as you know, Elliott rushes for over 100 yards. And Dak Prescott throws to an array of receivers, including the old man, Jason Witten, who I think turned 74 last week. Um, but he spreads the ball around. Everybody's involved. They roll. Uh, the Ravens, my Ravens, 
laying 13, I thought was a solid play. I thought they'd take Cardinals out of the building, but they gave up a touchdown uh, when I didn't think they were going to do it. And they had to settle for some field goals. As a result, uh, they win, but they don't come close to covering. And you know, Chargers basically just had to win, and they lose a heartbreaker in Detroit. So I pretty much start where I'm used to being, under 500 after week one, one up, two down. And I followed suit, which I'm used to doing. Took the points with the Dolphins, thinking that there's no way in 2019 you can't lose by 19 points. Well, yeah, 18 and maybe, a half. It, it maybe been one of the most unconscionable picks in the history of the six-pack. Yeah. This, this team has now been outscored, folks, by a grand total. Do the math. 59-10, 43-0. That last time I checked is 102-10 to 10 in the first two weeks of the season with the way that they're playing right now. It's got to be great to be a Miami fan after having to watch the Marlins give away everyone that you've ever known and loved on their fire sale. Now your beloved football team is also doing the same. Miami fans. Not great. Not great. But at least you got that uh, Hurricanes win over that Little Sisters of the Poor school. Titans minus three, thinking again as you did with the Chargers, just win the game, we'll be good. Nope, couldn't do that. And uh, Chiefs, thankfully, six and a half they cover. Al, it's always a pleasure and we're that much closer to talking playoff baseball. Folks, down the stretch we come. Pennant races. Pretty much all decided division-wise except for the NL Central, which is up for grabs, but wild cards, both of them still on the hopper in both leagues. We'll talk about more of that next week because we'll only have a week left in the season. For my partner, the one, the only, the great John Tiny Lund, he is the new report. I am Al Renato, a.k.a. Al from White Plains. I am the old report. Until next we speak, have a great sports week, everybody. We'll be back next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.